Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the week again, the rugby league rant fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing of the NRL tour. And back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast via distance. Boxhead, what's going on? I've got the Curtis Rona, mate. You've got, got the Curtis. I've got the Curtis Rona, mate. Brock. The, um, <laughs> Brock Shepherd. Got the Curtis Rona at the wedding to end all weddings. We said it last week. He went from a sinner to a saint. But now, he's a super spreader. <laughs> His wedding was like a petri dish. People were drinking beers and COVID. Get that in here. <laughs> yeah. Like I've... I've been at school, footy, everywhere since... Um, well, since lockdown ended pretty much. And it hasn't, hasn't got me, but uh, yeah, it's got me. Well, it's, it's, got, it's got our family and it's got a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, I'm, I'm thankfully feeling pretty good. It's knocked my wife around a lot. She's been pretty crook. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm okay. Uh, the kids haven't got it, so we're thankful about that. Could have been yeah, could be could be a lot worse. And we're still obviously both getting paid, so yeah, that's always good. Be, just got to be thankful for yeah, the situation we find ourselves in. So, but it's it's cool. Oh. Always the spot where you least suspect it. When I finally got it, I had no idea how I got it. You've, like you yeah. said, been at places where you know there's been cases or multiple exposures and had a bunch of tests and never got it. And when you least suspect it, you've got it. It got me, mate. It got you. And then I thought I had it again, but PCR says otherwise, so there you go. But fun times. COVID, COVID strikes again. It just won't fuck off, mate. Yeah. Well, we're just going to live with it. That's yeah. It. So, and that's what we're doing. And you won't hear any complaints out of me. You just roll on. I think Trent Robinson got it today as well. I was about to say Robbo's got it as well. So there's another one I for think the that's footy. Second time for Robbo. I think they all got it in the off season. Yeah. So they're travelling without him this week. Obviously, last week Melbourne had Harry Grant, Tyron Wishart, Brisbane. Round one, we're missing a couple of players. Reynolds and that's going to keep happening. Yeah, that's right. And that's the kind of thing today when I spoke to my boss about, you know, Rapids, PCRs, different results. I said, like, back living life in particular, I'm like the youngest bloke at work. There's a lot of older fellas that don't do anything. I'm like, if anyone's going to get it the second time, it's definitely going to be me. I'm not going to stop going out and going to the footy and the pub and whatever. Well, right. Won't everyone just get it a second time? Won't it just well, I'm, I'm literally the only person at my work who's had it. Okay. But yeah. I'm just more saying, like... I was the last person at work to get it, so... I work with an older yeah. demographic. They all generally work at home and they're not as socially active. Uh, I was yeah. the first one to get it, so it wouldn't surprise me if I got it a second time before half of them get it a first time. Yeah. But it is what it is. It is what it is. But uh, the fifth and last is brought to you by bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with anyone, make sure you do it with the true blue bookie. There is no one better. They support our charity account because they're absolute champions. So if you're going to have a bet, 
have a bet with bluebet.com.au charity account. Was looking the goods until Mitch Barnett decided he was going to throw a Muay Thai style elbow and uh, take out Chris Smith. <laughs> Muay Thai. Muay Thai. And then New- uh, Newcastle, to their credit, I thought we were going to get that home. Well, we took them with the overs and the points, uh, but they conceded right on full time to, to rub it in. But Mitch Barnett, I, I absolutely loved him the whole way through, but you killed me on the weekend. You killed me. Yeah. yeah. So two weeks in a row. Uh, no charity winner, unfortunately. So I think at the moment we had win week one, two losses. We got $90 in the bank. So hopefully we get back on winning terms this week. Also, big thanks, as we said, to Jakey Boy and Penrisola. There's no one better. <laughs> nah. We'll do our set of six to kick off, as we always do. Six points, topics, opinions, anything we want to talk about. And we're going to kick off with exactly what we just talked about. Mitch Barnett. What were you thinking? Uh, a lot of people have had different opinions on it. Like, oh, it was careless. I saw Kenty on 360 last night. I, I have no idea what the fuck he was talking about after talking to him, trying to sort of defend it. Like, yeah, checking off a defender is one thing. You don't check him off with your elbow. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, watching it live, I was like, that, that's a send-off. I, I just don't know. Like, I don't think it was... Um, like, he didn't fully extend it. Nah, he didn't blast him with it. But. Uh, like, I think it's probably six weeks. That, that's, yeah, I, I'm not sure, you know, what he's, what he's going to get and all that. I, I just looked at it and thought, yeah, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen on a football field, but it's certainly a send-off. I think in modern terms, I think we can all accept that that's a send-off. Well, he got six was, matches. Um, yeah, like, it's, it put Chris Smith out of the game. I think Chris Smith will be out this weekend. So really, of course, Chris Smith two, maybe three weeks. Uh, so I think yeah, you should you should at least double what how it's going to impact the person that you've you've injured. Not that I think that that should be taken into account. Nah, but it. But uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. That sort of it was, stuff. It was, just, it was ordinary. It was like a brain snap. But I don't really know what the criteria for a brain snap is. I think it was just he's an aggressive player and. You know, we love the 99% of the stuff that Mitch Barnett does on the field because it's calculated and it's aggressive and it's everything you want. But he, he does have that knack of just getting that 1% wrong. And, you know, sometimes it's, a, it's just a careless penalty or, you know, something stupid on the field. But this one, yeah, it's, it's, I don't think Newcastle would have won or we're never really going to know, but he certainly robbed his team of a chance of winning and probably robbed us as fans of a, of a good game. Uh and yeah, he's going to have to pay a penalty for it. It's contact with the head, with the elbow. You know, when you're trying to work out intent, and we've spoken about this for forever on this podcast, it's very difficult to work out intent. I don't think he deliberately meant to hit him in the head with his elbow, but the fact of the matter is, he did. He threw the elbow, though. You yeah. can't you can't throw an elbow. Yeah, I think it, I think it was forearm. Like I, I think he was sort of trying to get his forearm up. But when you do that, you run the risk of, of making contact with your elbow. And that's that's what's happened, unfortunately. Uh, you know, we've all we've all put our bumper up and, and got people with our forearm before, but you know, you you always run that risk that you know if he turns the wrong way or the ankle, you get the ankle wrong. That that elbow is the one that makes contact first, and that's when you're really really going to get yourself into trouble, and that's where Mitch Barnett finds himself. Well, he got six matches. Oh, it's, it's been decided, has it? It's finished only about 10, 15 minutes ago. Nick Gabbard. Quick. 
his lawyer tried to argue that it was only four weeks and it was just careless and it wasn't forceful and the NRL obviously argued the latter that it was reckless and for me I've got to say with the stupidity in length of suspensions we've seen for tackles and other things that are more within the rules of the game there's just zero place in modern day football for striking off the ball so that's basically where I land and like I said I love Mitch Barnett I'm Mitch Barnett's Biggest fan, but basically what you said before in terms of the 99% and the 1%, but early in a game, the, the other thing about it was like it wasn't, you know, something that was built up to, which is generally more where you get a Mitch Barnett pushing that 1% when a game's spilling over and there's a bit of feeling and th- like it was very early in the game. So just, I, I don't know what he was thinking, but when we're talking about what we've been dishing out the last 12 months for contact to the head, shoulders, crushes and every other bloody thing, like just blatant striking off the ball to a bloke who's not looking like you can't expect anything but a decent suspension and to be honest I think with some of the length of the other suspensions we've seen or what the troll got I think he got downgraded to six weeks after he shattered uh, you know Joey Manu's face I think six weeks for him he's pretty lucky I thought he would have got eight to ten what did the troll get? six he started off at eight but I think with an early guilty plea he was down to six from memory yeah I, yeah I don't think it was as bad as the little troll one yeah, again, like I said, it wasn't any. You're not comparing the same incident. No, nah, so. my point is, it's not a football action. It's literally an elbow. So, like striking in the modern game and with the way they've tried to clean everything up, it's just it, it was well, all. I think, I think sort of lifting your bumper up is is a football action. I don't think lifting your bumper up to head height is a football action. That, nah, that's off the ball. Wrong. Because if he he could lift his elbow and his forearm like he did and just keep it at chest height, and we're not we're not talking about it. The fact is that he, when he lifted, he lifted up to head height. Mate, the, the bigger thing for me as well, that the ball was already gone. Like it's not like that lead runner was no, right I, there. I like what he was trying to do. I, I like he was trying to get across there, and he was trying to get off Chris Smith. Well, that, that's what you coach players to do, but you don't coach players to lift their elbow. No. While they're doing it. It's not like that. <laughs> but realistically, it, yeah, it's, indef- it's indefensible. Yeah, it ruined a good game. What would have been a good game of football, and it still ended up that Newcastle had a hell of a slog with Panthers, obviously weren't exactly under the pump so I think they played with their food a little bit but Barnett pays the price now and he's out for six weeks so yeah that's right exactly uh, hurts them and yeah hurt uh, what was a very good start to the season and what would have been a really good game of football but tackle two uh, one that you sent through you wanted to talk about some stuff that happened in the Tigers game yeah well which which parts were we talking about which, which parts have you got in your notes I don't know. You just said to me you wanted to talk about what happened to the Tigers game. Well, I, did, I, did... I wanted to talk about, firstly, well, the, the reason I ask is, are we talking about the performance or the or the certain things in the game which, you know, were frustrating, I guess, to Tigers fans? The performance itself was underwhelming. And, you know, they had a 10-minute period at the back end where they should have won the game. Um, they had uh, Marcelo Montoya in the, in the sim bin and their attack was just inept. They didn't really go to that right-hand side. Uh, which I'm not, you know, I'm not super critical about because I've, I've seen a little bit of commentary sort of saying, well, the overlap is on the on the right hand side. Well, that's not necessarily true. The fullback will just move the defence to be one short on the side where he thinks the ball isn't going. They're not always going to be short on that that right hand wing, the no. left hand wing for the Warriors where he went off. I think that's a bit of a fallacy 
from a, from the media perspective. It, it doesn't doesn't mean that that's where the space is. No, going to be. it lacks. Essentially, you've just got to find find the space. It means really it's easier to create space. Right hand right hand side. You've got an extra middle defender there when they put five because you're going to have centre back row a half and two middles essentially. So, is it the more favourable side to attack? Definitely. Uh, but does it mean that they're always going to have a numerical advantage on that side? No, it doesn't. So, look, the, their attack was just two sideways. Um, it lacked imagination. It looked really one pop. They didn't really sequence at all. They, they didn't really land in a position and then play the next play. Um, and then there was an incident where Luciano Lelou was denied uh, a potential try. In the first half, he ran through and, and it looked like he put the ball down and the referee ruled it dead. And I, I'm not too sure whether it would have actually been a try. I think a lot of it would have depended on how the referee set it up. And the fact that the referee thought the ball was dead probably lends me to think he would have set it up no try. I don't think there would have been sufficient evidence to overturn it and say it was a try. But it was an absolute howl. I like how the referees got it wrong and, and didn't look at it considering some of the things that we look at I think uh, you know certainly disadvantaged the Tigers in that game of footy and they're just they're under the pump already aren't they they're the only team now that hasn't had a win they're running into the Titans up at the Gold Coast on Thursday and you know look at what the Titans did on the weekend they're going to be out for redemption as well so it's just a really really difficult spot for uh, the West Tigers and I look Everyone's coming for Luke Brooks again, and probably rightfully so. But you know, you look at the look at the cattle that he's playing with, and you look at the way that they just they play as a team. They, their attack, I thought their attack in the first half against Melbourne in round one was outstanding. They were going back rower to back rower. They weren't really having any dead plays with their attack. They were playing on the back of the momentum generated, and they looked really really good. But yeah, I just haven't seen any of that since. So I don't know whether it's a confidence issue uh, or whether maybe that they'll play their own style of footy in that first half of, of the uh, of round one. But you think if Mike McGuire is ever going to have an imprint on his side, it's, it's the first half of round one. Yeah. And they look good, but they, well, they haven't looked good since. So, and the other thing is... Yeah, it's, it's alarm bells, I think. Just probably not from uh, a season perspective. I think we all, you know, we all thought they, they were going to miss the eight. I think, you know, probably 90% of... I had for the spoon. <laughs> Well, there you go. Yeah, like, I, I think I, I saw the odd person that had him in their eight, but you know, I think nine out of ten conservatively would have had them out of their eight. So I don't think, from an overall season perspective, it's you know really time to start panicking, and making wholesale changes. Like your roster is your roster, and I expect them to get better. And you know, I'm not sure whether they'll avoid the spoon or they'll get the spoon. But yeah, it's, it's still early doors. But man, it's. It's just everything that surrounds the Tigers at the moment. The media circus, the speculation around Madge, the lack of performance, the fact that Brooks asked for a release, didn't get it. There's speculation that he's going to get it um, once Jackson Hastings is back. Once Dewey's back as well. And Dewey, uh, uh, you know, they had the Robbie Farrar incident on the weekend where he's, he abused old Billy Boy. All the stuff you're talking about, though, is the point I was making last week, which, again... It all leaks him, doesn't it? I wasn't trying... I didn't have a problem with the pokies thing. My point to you, and as a coach, and when they're in their situation, just don't bring any unnecessary attention because you know what the media will do to our team. We're not trying to 
do the shock jock thing and jump on anything they do. My point was more from being the coach that I'm just like, boys, everyone just fucking kicks us at any opportunity they can get. The last thing they needed before having a poor performance the next day and losing by 20 was to have a couple of blokes found at a pub playing the pokies. But like you said, I know blokes go out and go to the movies, all sorts of activities. We used to do it when we used to travel for Canberra. They'd take us to the movies or you'd play video games until bloody midnight, like, you know, things that you're talking about there. But it's more the fact that of all the places they could have gone when you're the team that's got that much eyes on you, they went to the pub and then they dished up a shit sandwich the next day. And then, again, this week, Brooks, Robbie Farrar, poor result. And I guess the other point that I agree with you or just probably shows the footy knowledge and some people in the media going, oh, they didn't attack that right side. Like, when you're short, just because they're a fucking man down doesn't mean you go to where the bloke's missing. When they're short, it just means that you can stretch the line a little bit more. So, if anything, if you play a little bit more width, you get blokes that, you know, are a little bit more jumpy, a bit more hesitant. You can isolate players. You just want, it's easy to generate. Yeah, what it means is you're always going to have a numerical advantage. Yeah, but it's easy to generate. A... where that numerical advantage is. My point was that it doesn't always mean it's going to no. be on that right-hand side. They're going, oh, they didn't run at that wing. I'm like, well, you're not going to run to the sideline to score specifically. Like, being a shorter line just means generally it's easier, like you said, to find space punch a hole or generate a quick play of the ball. When you generate a quick play of the ball when you're a man down, you're in big trouble. The space yeah. could be in the middle of the field. Yeah. It, it's it's where you make it. It's what you do with that period of time. Which, but well, especially they, goal line, really, the fullback will fill anyway. will fill the line today. But they just showed their... Essentially, it rubs that, rubs that number out. They showed their lack of composure, though, because when they had the advantage, they, yeah, that's right. they exactly. couldn't, couldn't make something of it. And again, I've defended Brooks, but not to the extent of, you know, what Madge is saying now that he's can play origin football my whole point is just when you've been somewhere for so long had that many coaches and barely ever played with a good roster bar the time they had those handful of players and himself Moses and Tedesco who all those guys rightfully so I think with the way the clubs go made the decision to leave for their own betterment I think he needs to do the same thing I think it was, strange, it was a strange comment wasn't it the origin one it's well and truly past the point of it being saved I think he's almost in groundhog day of you know, this shit cycle that is the Tigers. I think he needs to go somewhere else. And there's no guarantee it works, but for his own sake at this point in his career, he's still not that old. I think he's only like 27. Yeah, but I, look, I, I, don't, I don't buy into that argument either because where's he going to go right now? Nowhere. No, nowhere. I already, I already said it. Three games in, so. I already said it yesterday, uh, last week to you. If they would have let him go before they got Clune, but the way that Clifford and everything's going there, nothing's to say that he'd be playing as well as what they are right now. But that environment, that team... That club are in a much better position, much happier, much higher effort. Like, who knows? That might have dragged him up another notch. But where he is right now, with everything that's going on, probably knowing what we we know in terms of that the release is only going to come once they've got their players healthy. That's the only reason they let him go in the first place. And now that Kloon's slotted in there, and most teams are pretty settled, I don't really see where he can go. You know, over the year, reserve grade, reserve grade is where he's going to end up. Well, from the Tigers' perspective, yeah, they might go with Jock and whoever else and just keep moving and forward. Not that, I, not that I think that Jock is this slam dunk first grader like everyone's talking about. Like we, we played in round one in New South Wales Cup, and I've got to be honest, I, the, the, it, Jock didn't jump out in that game saying that you know I'm an out and out first grader. Definitely, and not. again that. That's impacted by who you're playing with as well. Yeah, and that's another thing, again, to that same point. A half is only as good as the forward pack in front of him, the nine that dishes him, manipulates, creates around the ruck, who the fullback is, who he's got to pass to, 
What are his edge back rowers like? Does he have someone who can rely on? Has he got someone that's a genuine threat that can take pressure? There's a lot of factors. You can't just always point to the seven and go, it's all his fault. Well, that's what we do, though. Well, we're not. That's what the media does. That's because, again, a lot lot of the opinions on putting on one person just aren't smart. Like, so was it Reid or whoever it was I saw the other night basically saying, oh, the Roosters can't do anything because Sam Walker can't defend. I'm like, well, if you watch most games, most halves miss four or five tackles every fucking week. You're talking about Cameron Munster at the moment. Everyone's carrying on about him potentially having to take a, a pay cut or, you know, how he's worth $1.2 million this year and what he's getting paid. Like, the bloke tackles with his hands. He misses four or five tackles every week. Jerome Hughes missed five tackles on the weekend. Adam Reynolds missed five tackles on the weekend. And Sam Walker jumped past the ball on his goal line and he got bumped at one stage. He missed a couple of tackles, but doesn't mean you can't win a premiership. Like, yeah. Those comments, again, just uneducated. Yeah. So, right, let's move on. Off the Tigers, but yeah. Off it, the Tigers, mate. We've spoken about it for long enough, mate. It's getting harder because now you took Amanu, who's probably one of their best young players, is now out for six to eight weeks as well. So you pile on top of everything. He's one of the young shining lights that they've got locked in with what's to come with what they've signed, but he's uh, going to be out for an extended period now, which is not good. Um, tackle three. The Titans' 24-point unanswered capitulation. bit worrying. Three close games to start, and there were some good signs, and the first half was absolutely outstanding, but that reared its ugly head of memories of last season, Boxhead. Yeah, it was just strange. It was just really strange to watch. It was like they just left their confidence in the dressing room in the second half. I think the try right on half-time hurt them. You know, the fact that they, again, just couldn't defend their goal line for any more than a set. And that's why they find themselves where they are. Until they get their defence sorted, you can forget about how brilliant they are with their attack. And I said that after round one. You know, they scored... Well, they scored 28 points and got beat or 30 points and got beat. So, you know... Well, probably... You should never never be losing a game when you score 30-odd. Yeah, what did we score on the weekend? 22? You should be, I think, 18, eight, about 18 points is what you really want to concede in a game. Any more than that, you're probably expected to lose the game. Yeah, but if you go 22 nil to start with, you definitely shouldn't lose a game of rugby league. And probably more so the point we've made the last two weeks with the rule changes, it's not as relentless as it was with six again, six again, we can't get the ball back. Canberra actually did it with patience and field position and the Titans sort of self-imploded, like coming out of yardage, couldn't get going. Sexton throws a five-man cutout pass, gets intercepted. They wouldn't kick the ball early and get rid of it. Like, they really did it to themselves this time. It was le- less of those rules that we saw last year just making it impossible to to rein a game back in and more a balance of Canberra slowly building, getting confidence, and the Titans just adding more weight to themselves. Yeah. So it was... Uh, a bit disturbing, but yeah, a good chance this weekend to get a team that's obviously, like we said, been in turmoil and hopefully low on confidence for the Titans' sake and go home. I think I saw that Brimson and Campbell were both in doubt with injuries. Um, and it's a short turnaround technically. I think it's a five-day turnaround, but you've got the Tigers, like you said, Hastings suspended, low confidence. You took Amano out now. This has to be a kill for the Titans. has to be. You'd think so. Yeah, you'd think so. If you want to play top eight footy, then... Yeah, this is a game you where you, be, you... You need to be putting them away. Yeah, this is a foot on the throat. Let's bury this team and get back on track. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't have expected to see... Again, I know it's only three weeks in, but with the way things have sort of gone with those changes, which have made a fairly big difference, um, 24 unanswered points. I did not see that coming. 
No, me either. So, yeah, interesting. But uh, tackle four, what a game. Storm Eels, what a good, I was going to say, and what, a, what a good round of football in general. I thought there was a lot of games, uh, in particular Super Saturday, I quite enjoyed. I know the Newcastle game was sort of ruined early or the result was made a bit more obvious early on. Um, but I thought Newcastle kept it interesting and certainly put in a good fight. The late game, like we said, the 24-point comeback, didn't see that coming. Golden point, two weeks in a row for the Storm. You know, good game. Dogs, Manly was ugly, but it was close. Um, Tigers, Warriors, even though it was ugly, again, close, plenty of drama. The, the one game that sort of surprised, surprised me was the, uh, the Dragons game. I thought that was going to be a real good contest, but once Jaden Sewell got put in the bin in those conditions and they conceded those points, it, it really, again, put a weight on their shoulders and couldn't quite pull it out. But the real crowning jewel of the round, that, that Storm Eels game, um, just so much happened in that. Hopefully a preview of what we're going to see again later in the year come finals time. Yeah, they put on a few bell ringers recently, haven't they? Melbourne and, um, and Para. So, yeah, it was a great game for footy. I felt like Melbourne had their chances, but I also felt like Parramatta had their chances. It was sort of, they both scrambled well, and they both probably bombed a couple of chances. But, um, yeah, what Ray Stone did was quite, quite incredible. I think to be on side off a dropout that was from such a long pass from dummy half is, yes, really really good coaching so whoever whoever sort of thought that up at the heels or whether Ray Stones thought that up himself it is um, it's not genius but it's uh, it's certainly something that I hadn't really taken into consideration when you're talking about field goals and potentially hitting the post but it's it's one of a game um, and he's blown out his ACL the poor bastard so he um He's, he's paid a price for it, uh, but he was he was actually on side of the, the dropout before the drop goal before that as well. So mm. it's obviously something that they've practiced to make sure that those guys are eligible down the field just in case it hits the post or you know it's at least if the ball sort of lands in the end goal it potentially force a line dropout. It's good coaching, but uh, yeah, it was, I, I thought felt like the Storm were probably the better team in the first half, and then the Eels were the better team in the second half, but. Uh, yeah, got to be got to be willing in the middle as well. There's been a lot of talk, obviously, about the Nelson Osofa Solomona hitting the back of the head, and you know, did they get the charge right? And Graham Manesley's come out publicly and just butchered the system and said that they got it wrong and it should have been a grade two. And I don't know why that couldn't have been done behind closed doors, but anyway, I, I don't understand why he just didn't see the charge sheet and, and call them and go, "Mate, that's wrong. Fix it before it even got." played out publicly it seems really really strange to me yeah well, again I think between the new system of wiping some charges and being able to intervene people again are surprised about that and I didn't want to bring it up again this week but we are people are still confused about the concussion thing after Kurt Mann got hit in a different head and he was pulled for a HIA the yeah, he got hit in the, the old CAGs the Ray Stones and uh, he went off for a HIA of a different kind so don't know what that doctor was watching in the bunker, but I think another another example after three weeks as to why I know they're saying, you know, club doctors and link to the club, etc. but get an independent doctor at the ground. You have to get him at the ground. Watch him. Yeah, well, yeah done that. there's a doctor at the ground. Anyway, I, I don't. I don't quite understand it. I, well, if you've got a million TVs... Think, and, but realistically, the, they need to swing it and say, look, the... the bunker doctor can intervene for the blatantly obvious one 
like other bunkers there for the plate and the obvious one that they get wrong, you know, from a rules perspective. But in the end, the, the decision on the, on the field or at the ground should be with the doctor that's there, I think. Yeah, well, I don't know what that doctor in the bunker was watching because I didn't see his head get hit at any stage. So, um, yeah, don't know what was going on there. But great game um, in particular. Like I said, good round. But that game in particular, awesome. Great finish. Golden point. Uh, drama. Applaud. Makatoa versus Nelson. Great harvest play. Some excellent tries. It was a really good game of football. Both need to work on their defense, but great game of football. Uh, tackle five. Speaking of great games, the grand final rematch this week in good timing. South basically playing, I think, what last year's top four teams besides themselves in the opening four rounds after losing significant players, um, in particular your halfback, a couple of your edge players, you're trying to find new combinations, come up with a big win against the Roosters on Friday, found plenty of energy and aggression and, uh, and some confidence. And then you've got the Panthers who have been without Nathan Cleary, Lost Fish, lost Martin, lost Tuto, um, lost Moses Leota, and they've just chipped away, won three in a row, and now they head home for this grand final rematch. I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be huge. The weather out here is crap at the moment, so hopefully it's going to improve before Friday. But the ground there drowns really well. Just from a fan perspective, you'd like a dry track and a clear night. Maybe we'll get it. We'll see how the week pans out. But uh, right at this moment in time, it's, it's not looking promising. Yeah, the return of Nathan Cleary probably always had this one penciled in. And, you know, whether they've pushed him back a week or two, you know, you were never really going to know. But while ever they had Sean O'Sullivan there doing his job and ticking off the wins, they, they didn't need to rush Nathan Cleary back. <laughs> they find themselves in a position where they played without Nathan Cleary for three weeks and they're the only undefeated team left in the comp. So it's, yeah, it's, it's staggering when you, when you take that into consideration. He's going to return. I, I, I'm not sure whether... I think it's going to take a little bit of time for him to return to his best, but also for, you know, Penrith to sort of get used to him being back as well. I guess they probably spent a lot of their pre-season knowing that O'Sullivan was going to play, you know, at least probably the first month. So, you know, he's now played pretty much five, five straight games when you take into account the trials. Uh, with the Panthers, so yeah, there's going to be a little bit of, I guess, getting getting used to again with with Nathan. Although they're they're pretty similar in what they do for. I was going to say, but, uh, from your spine perspective, I still think he's done that job that Nathan would do yeah, for those yeah. other guys to be unlocked. But Nathan obviously brings more physicality and even better kicking game because O'Sullivan has a very good kicking game, goal kicking, and definitely a, a bigger threat as a, as a runner. So, if anything, you're upgrading. Yeah, I think Nathan, it's... Nathan also, like Nathan also plays both sides of the field. So, just when you're talking about like linking up and just some of their attacking play, I think it will take a little bit of getting used to. But, yeah, it's scary to think that they've just cruised on through with all those players. Yeah, well, they haven't cruised on through, but, you know, they're undefeated and they've looked quite good in their, in their wins. And they've got all those players you mentioned to, to return back into the team. South, I think... That was a, a really, uh, really unreal performance on on Friday night. They just destroyed the Roosters. It was, I don't know the Roosters got back to I think it was twelve ten. But watching that game, I never, I never felt like South were going to lose. No, and I think they rattled, they rattled the Roosters, and they, you know, they certainly didn't uh, niggle, or there, there wasn't anything untoward that went on. You know, everyone was sort of talking it up like it was going to be 
it was going to spill over again and there'd be some sort of fracas or you know incident but there wasn't an incident the roosters just looked like they're yeah not not they're um intimidated by south but i certainly felt as though south had their number from very early on in the match yeah, I think South need to play against someone wearing a Roosters jersey every week because the energy certainly came back, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, Penrith, I think, get Cleary back. And in the extended bench, I've just had a look. Fisher, Harris and Martin are named, so possibilities, but definitely no Toto and uh, no Leona. So yeah. definitely going to be a good match regardless. Um, yeah, it's going to be unreal. I think South will be right up for it turnover for both teams but yeah Friday night special out at Blue Bet Stadium here in Penrith so looking forward to oh, it well. uh, and the last one we've got here tackle six it's just I guess three rounds in now anyone surprised you anyone uh, not so much a surprise like expected I think obviously Penrith Melbourne close loss but they've had players in and out we're not surprised about them maybe a little surprised about the Roosters in terms of like this level of performance, I thought it was going to take probably six to eight weeks to kind of gel, but it's been probably more up and down than I expected so far. Um, you know, Sharks haven't surprised me. Probably the ones that have surprised me, Newcastle, definitely even on the weekend, the way they've competed, the attitude, the direction they look to be going, there's some real positives there. Um, I was pretty strong that I didn't think the Cowboys were wooden spooners. I know a lot of people weren't big on the Cowboys. I wouldn't say they've surprised me, but, um, you know, how how they've won two of their games so far, like last week, this week, probably surprised me a little bit so early. I thought it would be hit and miss and a bit hot and cold, but if they keep going the way they're going, um, there's there's good signs. But has anyone surprised you or not surprised you? Yeah, the Cowboys have, but, you know, again, it's only three rounds in. The West Tigers have surprised me with how, how bad they've been. Uh, I, I just didn't expect them to be that that poor. Uh, uh, Brisbane, Brisbane has surprised me. I think they've probably played at a level, particularly in the first two weeks, to, to beat South. Like I, I was like, wow, you know. I know South weren't quite at their best, but uh, yeah, I, I've been impressed with what Brisbane have done up until this point. So they've they've probably surprised me a little, uh, but uh, but otherwise, yeah, it's I like you said the Roosters, Newcastle, I was pretty firm that they're going to slide I still think they will it's a long year and the petrol tank you know once you have to start calling some guys in and you know that that week to week grind comes and winter comes you know that those sides with uh, a lack of experience and a lack of depth they're going to certainly feel the pinch particularly if they get injuries so yeah it's a long it's a long year but yeah the two that I probably predicted the slider the wooden spooner and the Cowboys in Newcastle have, have certainly surprised me um the Titans have disappointed me. They've had a chance to win every game they've, they've been in. Uh, and they've, yeah, just leaped like a sieve. And, you know, they, they should have won at least one of those games, the Raiders game or the Eels game. They should be sitting at two and two and one, not at, not at one and two. So they could, they could everything been equal, they, if they could actually defend. Uh, they, could, they could be sitting up there with the Panthers. But their defence is abhorrent, so until they get that sorted, they're going to be a constant disappointment, I think. Yeah, well, I think, again, uh, and same deal with people shooting off after a couple of rounds and you see Twitter and media and whatnot, I, I still think you've got to wait six or eight weeks before you get a real clear picture and you can see those trends and patterns and, like you said, a couple of injuries and things to play out and then you're kind of like, okay, I've got a fairly good idea. Like 
there's some that just never surprise you, like you said. Melbourne, I think the Roosters will come good. Um, you know, Penrith aren't surprising. A couple of those bottom sides, like you said, surprise early on. But until you're sort of six or eight weeks down the track and you've got a bigger picture or a quarter of the season, or sorry, a third of the season to be like, okay, um, yeah, I wouldn't be shooting off too early. But, yeah, probably the non-surprise for me, I know you just mentioned the Tigers. I'm not surprised. Uh, probably that they haven't won a game, but just the amount of noise so early. Like I said, that... I don't think it's so much about wins and losses. It's their performance. I just didn't expect I this just, much. I'm just shocked at how, how bad they've played, apart from that first half against Melbourne. I, they've been diabolical. Mm. But the amount of noise after three games, like, good on Tim Sheens for coming out last week and just being like, we're not sacking him. It's a couple of games in. Like, let's just cool your jets. But, yeah, I thought after a pretty quiet off-season, a couple of good recruits and... Just keeping things on the low and being quiet, and straight away um, they've basically been topic number one for almost everyone for the last two weeks. So they need to uh, play some better football. Hopefully, Jag go in and quiet things well, we down a bit. Cameras will disappear. Yeah, well, that's a simple recipe, isn't it? <laughs> but that wraps up the set of six for this week. Thanks to the Penrith Solar Centre. Don't be sidelined by rising power bills this, this season. The team at Penrith Solar are dedicated to provide you with the highest quality solar energy experience when it comes to tackling your bills. Look no further. Give them a call today. Save thousands per year. Call 1-800-2029-30 or visit www.penrosolar.com.au. And now into our reviews from the weekend. Uh, Sharks, Dragons, 36-12. I was really looking forward to this. These Derby games are usually awesome. It started off with plenty of feeling, intent, and terrible weather, but once that sewer sin bin hit, um, that sort of took the air out of things a little bit. I thought, you know, the Sharks, particularly in those conditions, played very, very well. Um, They still wanted to move the football. The connection that I spoke about last week between the spine, in particular the way the halves are playing, Hines and Moylan, and then linking up with Kennedy. Braley's becoming more of a focal point and obviously like I talked about that extension that long term extension really signalled Fitzgibbon's intent and thoughts around him but um, early second half Dragons got to try early give themselves a little bit of a sniff had a couple of back to back sets couldn't bank any points and from there it was just all Cronulla and once that try after that kind of went in I think it might have been the ULE one it just opened up they, they seemed to put their heads down and Sharks just ran all over them and if anything I was probably more impressed again about that ball movement in the conditions and they really went at them for the full 80 yeah that's right it's it was more just uh, scoreboard pressure in those conditions like good luck they, they just made it significantly hard for themselves didn't they like, you can't again leak that many points and try and stay in the game of footy Sue has got to get that out of his game I said it last week like he's got too many high tackles in his game. He's got he's got the cheap shot, and he's always got an excuse. It's like he's the victim. You are not the victim. You need to sort out your tackle technique. Uh, you know, I, I did think uh, this one he sort of slipped into it, no doubt about it. Yeah, Dale was very low, but still, you've got to get as low as you target. If, yeah, or he's got to pull out of it. You know, I, I, I didn't really, I didn't hear anyone coming in and defending him this week. You know, about the the fact that oh, you know, he, he couldn't have pulled out of that. Like, yeah. I've got a little sympathy for him because it keeps happening and it's becoming a trend and I love him as a player. I think he's fantastic and again, he's he's aggressive and he's got all those attributes that you want but you can't just keep throwing your hands in the air going, you know, 
been a victim of the rules or a victim of the new game or, you know, rugby league's gone soft. Like, this this is what the game is now. Mm. So adapt. But more particularly... Well, you're going to be spending more time on the sideline than you are on the field. If you're going to plant your feet and launch like that because he's got a mean yeah. dip and hit, that's fine. But when you plan in that action and go for that dip and hit without having your feet spaced or short feet into contact, you leave yourself open to it. And you saw it right there. He dipped, he was planted, he was ready... And Dale got low, and by the time he's launched, he's just cracked him straight in the face. Yeah. He's probably got to be a little bit more active with short feet and still be moving when he dips and launches because he's got that tendency to go a couple of quick steps and then he plants himself and he's not moving from his base. Once his base is established, that's it. Yeah. Um, but I think for them, uh, after two really good weeks and especially the effort against Penrith with two sin bins, I was expecting a bit better, but yeah, the, the the Sharks certainly played the conditions better. I thought they beat up their forward pack, and I think a real point of concern for me is if you're going to have a guy like Sloan play a one, and you know that Ravalar was very, very helpful in yardage, you've got Reams in, you've got Sloan, you've got two small bodies, two guys who can be dragged in yardage and hit. Like Sloan, in a few years, when he's a man and he's got a bit of weight on, he's going to be better in that area. But right now, you've got two deficient players in the back three that you can kick to and bully and pick on. They're not kicking a Ravalala. They're bombing Sloan. They're bombing Ramsey. They're trying to get that side of the field. They're trying to get those guys to carry play one, two, and then that puts a burden on your forwards to have to come afterwards. So you're not going to drop Sloan for Ramsey. There's no one else you're going to move to fullback, but I think he has to look at his options on the other wing. I don't know if he puts in one of the Fagai twins because they're definitely more physical and better in yardage. I don't know what Moga's form's been like in New South Wales Cup, but if you're going to have Sloan, who, like I said, it cannot help you on yardage, but can offer you so much in those big moments, pushing around the ball and inside 20, you need two good carries of the football coming out of the backfield. So I'm sorry, but Cody Ramsey can't be in the backfield anymore. Yeah, we, either, either that or you're going to get more kick pressure. That's a start. <clears throat> and make it hard for them to execute their kicking plan. Or you, you need to have a strategy for it. You know, like if if they're bombing to the middle of the field to Sloan, like that's that's ideal because you just get it split of the field straight away, and you know maybe then you look for an early shift and then and then scoot or scoot on the back of it. Like you sort of got to diversify what you're trying to do and try to nullify the tactics that the opposition are implementing that are working. So, but I, I take your point. Yeah, the, the other option is you look for a bigger body on that wing. Mm. Just saw it too many times the other night. Like Sloan's not flying back in using himself as a you know human kamikaze, and like Ramsey tries really hard, but again he's built very slightly at the moment. So if you're going to have two poor carries out of yardage, teams are going to pick on that. And if you start poor, your forwards aren't back behind the ball by play three. Your sets ruined. You just lose the the territory game. So um, no question about Ramsey's effort. But in terms of if he's not playing one, which is his position, like Sloan, or I think Sloan's a better one. I want a bigger body on the wing. Because yeah. Ravalawa no doubt can do that job. He's outstanding. But you need two. And we've seen the case in point many times before. Penrith, the reason Moylan worked for so long in the role that he played, similar deal. Not a great yardage player, but they had two good yardage carries. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. And you see a lot of the teams in the competition, similar deal. They've generally, at least, depending what their fullback style is, have got two bigger wingers or guys that can help out in yardage. Or your centers have to help out in that regard as well. Um, just to try and take that burden away. If you're going to have two smaller guys there for what you think they can offer to your attack otherwise. But, um, yeah, impressed with the Sharks again. Spine looking really, really good. Talakai um, getting a start was really, really good. So I think good signs all around that, you know, everyone seems really keen on board and happy and 
Um, more impressed, like I said, with the way they played in the conditions. Yep, yep, would agree. Well, Tigers Warriors, you mentioned it before. I didn't get to see a lot of this one, uh, but yeah, obviously, pretty, pretty much wrapped it up before. Like the Tigers were in out. The Warriors were good, but the Warriors weren't good for long periods. They, you know, they themselves made errors at critical times when, you know, they they should have been in a position to to sort of put the Tigers away. And then you know, Montoya gets in and think, well, it's only a matter of time before the Tigers come over the top of them and win, but. Like we said before, just uh, a lack of execution, a lack of um, cohesiveness, a lack of a plan, a lack of uh, adaptability, and just like a lack of overall direction. They, they just look directionless, the Tigers. Right? They don't look like they've got a lot of enthusiasm with what they do. They don't play with a lot of energy. It's, it's, it's worrying if you're a Tigers fan. And for the Warriors, obviously not ideal. Three different halves combinations in three weeks, which always makes it hard to get some cohesion. They change their centre pairing and one of the edge pairings with injuries early on. Harris will be a huge inclusion when he finally gets back, but Curran, no doubt, has had an outstanding start to the year. And you said the other day to me you were particularly impressed with Reese Walsh the other day. Yeah, he looked the best player in the field. Hmm. Just by a country mile, he was... He was physical. All of his involvements were were good, and I, I think he's starting to find that balance in his game. He's starting to find a bit of maturity, and yeah, he, he looked, you know, in my opinion, by far and away the best player on the field the other night. Mm. Oh. And there were games last year where I thought he, he he went missing a little bit because of that physicality, and or you know he he try and overplay his hand at certain stages, but no, it looks like he's. He's maturing and he's playing tough, which are two really good and important attributes. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because we all know uh, the talk that he doesn't want to go back to New Zealand, so I'm not sure how that's going to work out. No doubt the Dolphins' radar will be up. Some people linked him to the Broncos. I highly doubt he's going to go back to the club that uh, let him go in the first place. But, yeah, that would be a huge blow for them after they basically did what Nathan Brown has done twice. He took the gamble on him. Not that... I'm not saying it's not a gamble, but pay, you know, you pay forward, you bring him in. He did the same thing with Ponga um, when the Cowboys wouldn't do it. So um, big for the Warriors, that's for sure. Yep, spot on. As the season plays out. But uh, for the Tigers, yeah, we probably touched on it before. And for the Warriors, it's been three up and down weeks. There's been some good patches. There's been some bad patches. But they've got a win on the board, and hopefully they get some confidence build from here. Uh, The Souths and Roosters game, this one probably all started with that first play with Murray scoring just so easily through the middle, probably set the tone um, for their intent for the night and I, I thought in particular their forward pack was outstanding. Jai Arrow who I was disappointed with bar his little spark up in the finals run last year he started the year massively. Kalama Tungi looked more comfortable on his new right edge when he played left last year, he was huge um, the other night along with Murray, that, those three I think particularly led the way a lot more cohesiveness in the halves. Walker had some better moments. I thought Elias looked a lot more comfortable, which, again, it's only going to come with more football. It's not going to happen in one week. Uh, but all around, just the aggression from Souths, the way they played through their forwards, their spine was much better. Um, and, yeah, they executed some of those moments that we didn't see them do against Melbourne, where they probably had five or six chances to shell them, and there was just drop balls, bad pass selection, and more importantly, yeah, they, they really got them through the middle. Yeah, they did. They 
won the middle. Their key position players were better. They played with more patience. They made less errors. And they took their chances. Mm. And the Roosters just bumbled and bumbled the whole game. It just... It was, a, it was a really horrible performance from, from the Roosters, a destructive performance. I think that first try summed up the attitude of the Roosters. They, you know, they were worried about something other than the completely obvious. And yeah. Well, they... they... A little bit, little bit concerning, I think, defensively, in particular for the, for the Roosters. My biggest issue was back to like week one where they just showed zero patience or composure with the ball. They wanted to score off every play out of yardage like I saw Tedesco I think at one point spray Billy Smith and it was after he just made a couple of errors and I thought right now you shouldn't be spraying anybody you just need to hold the ball um, but they just had zero patience whatsoever just punished themselves that, someone asked a question in the press conference um, it might have been Mike Meehal. Um he's doing a bit of work for the for Raw Sports and I, I, bloody hell let's see if it wasn't Mike it sounded like Mike anyway he um he asked Robbo about, you know, at half time, what do you sort of say to those players when they're making errors? And, you know, Robbo sort of said, oh, well, it's not my job to sort of go in there and criticise Teddy. I was sort of thought, well, it, it actually is. It is. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's your job to sort of say to him, mate, what you're doing at the moment isn't helping the team. Uh, you know, I don't think you need to tell him how to play football. But you certainly need to make him aware that, you know, the way that he's playing and his actions are hurting the team and remind him about what the plan is and, you know, how they're going to go about executing it. Because it, they certainly didn't come out in the second half with any more direction or intent, which is strange for a Roosters coach side because, you know, Trent Roberts has got a, a very good reputation as, you know, not only someone who who's articulate and game plans well, but he's pretty good on adjusting during a game as well. And yeah, it certainly didn't look like the Roosters came out any more composed or with any more direction what they had from, from kickoff. So I thought it was a really good question. I wasn't, you know, wasn't overly wrapped with the answer. But yeah, it's, I also understand that he doesn't want to give too much away, I suppose, and doesn't sort of want to criticise Tedesco because he was there with him. But yeah, you know, Tedesco was great. He, he, owned it and you know his accountability in front of the media was good so I don't understand why um, Robbo couldn't have just been honest and, and sort of played it out and said look you know yeah I, I probably could run them over the coals a little bit more but yeah. no, I, I just thought well if it's not if it's not your job then whose is it I'm sure if anything more of it would have been behind closed doors but yeah the point I also made to you before I think it was a few of the journos straight away went after Sam Walker and he can't defend this, that, the other. And Benji Marshall in particular was pretty blunt about, like, you guys just bag these kids that have barely played first grade and you expect them to be these 300 gamers or these 250 gamers and put these standards on them. It's just not real. It's just not real at all. And, and, and again, like I said before, you want to go from examples. Like, I watched most of the games across the weekend. I watched six of them in full, two of them in half. And, like, my own team, Jerome Hughes is one of the best halves in the competition right now. Dylan Brown beat him cold and he missed four or five other tackles during the game. Munster consistently misses four or five tackles during the game. It's about if you're going to have those misses, much like James Maloney did during his career, and I was more critical in the end because, as I said, if you're going to miss multiple tackles and give away penalties, you need to contribute more with your attack. When you get to a point where that balance isn't there, you're a liability. And I think for Walker, like the upside is huge. I didn't think he was that bad. 
Um, and for that to be a point for someone to go, oh, well, they can't win a comp because of that, or they're going to struggle for a few years, I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. Well, really, the Roosters are playing their trials now. The first month was always going to be trials because they played no one during the trials. So that's sort of the approach that they've taken. Mm. <clears throat> so I think, uh, yeah, definitely need to sort the errors out. Definitely need to find a bit more with their defence, which has been the cornerstone of what they've built over probably the decade that Robbins has been there. Um, but yeah, yeah but defense, defense, and errors and discipline is trial footy, mm. and they attach themselves to one another. Obviously, it's harder to defend for extended periods or back to back if you keep self-inflicting. So that's something they're going to have to fix, and it's not going to get any easier because they've got the Cowboys this week who have completed very, very high. Like on the weekend, they were ninety percent plus. Mm. Um, they're very efficient with their kicking. They're very good with their line, all that energy and loading. They're not going to beat themselves. Exactly, and they load into their defence because they go set for set and they hold the football. So if the Roosters have another week like they have against Newcastle or the week just gone where they just give the football away and put themselves under pressure, they will struggle against the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, but moving on from that one, Penrith Knights pretty much summed up, like we said before. Um, I thought it was looking like it was going to be a really, really good game. They were there for the fight. Uh, they're physical. They're Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good in yardage. Gagai got one early over Tago, which I was really looking forward to watching that matchup, and I was certainly up for it. But the moment Barnett got sent, you just knew the game was over. Um, Pretty much. And, and why they were gallant in defeat, as I said before, Penrith missing five starters from their side. Obviously, got the one man advantage. They let a couple of tries in, which you probably wouldn't be thrilled with. But when you're looking at it from their perspective, they're three from three, missing those five starters. Taylor May comes in, does a job. Tago again. Another impressive week. Hopgood and the few guys that got some game time on the back of those injuries did their job. So for Penrith, it's just, yeah, more exposure for more players. Another win chalked up and you're going to get some troops back this week. I don't really know what else to say. No, nothing more to say. Um, for Newcastle, yeah, I think if you're O'Brien, you just take away what he said. He didn't need to heap anything more on Barnett because he knows what he's done. Um, I think if I'm a coach and my side played like that for... 60 or so minutes with 12 players, I'd be pretty bloody happy with their attitude. And they've, uh, you know, they'll move on to this week and see if they can keep that attitude going. They're playing Cronulla, so it's another really, really good test. And hopefully they, they play it with 13. Yeah. But yeah, moving on from that one. Storm Eels, as we said, what a game. Um, early on, I thought the Eels did well to hold on. Melbourne were denied a couple of tries, were just at them on their goal line and threatening. Um, and then flipped the script. Dylan Brown, who I, like I said, I like the fact he's back on the left. They did a lot of things at his expense to help Mitchell Moses, and defensively he's so good, but back on that left, huge weight last week, another huge weight this week, just beat Hughes, all ends up, um, was a constant threat running the football, flipped that game on its head early doors. We had the, the great matchup, like we said, between Makatawa and Nelson. Nelson, obviously lucky to get away, I thought, with that arm, but it was just a really good game of football. Melbourne had control for periods. You have that moment where Munster puts that kick in. Then Parramatta come back. I thought their forward pack, in particular Campbell-Gillard, was really, really good. Um, 
and then at the back end of the game there they score and you think they've got it sealed and before you know it Brandon Smith off just a long shift there bursts through the middle of the field Pappenhausen lurks up and it looked like Melbourne were going to get it done for a second week in a row but Brandon Smith after that huge play has a misfire from dummy half passes the ball super late after a double pump blocked down field, uh, field goal attempt and then we have the Ray Stone moment where he charges after that football he's the only one there and it's one of those things that we talk about it's, it's the free things it's line speed it's marker work it's jumping on the loose football it's chasing kicks and he had two of them because the try before that where he got the self assist off Nelson's head like he was the only guy in the picture he made that play on his own and you know when you put that sort of effort in and when you're a guy like him who his game's based off you know bone rattling hits and just tough carries there's not a lot special to his game that, those free efforts he's full of them and he come up with two tries which won them the game yeah yeah just blue collar blue collar they're going to miss him they're going to, they're going to have to find someone who can come in and fill that void and do those dirty jobs because he's a important member of their team maybe underrated and understated but he's an important part of their team mm, and that like I said is infectious for a lot of guys and um, a smart signing for the Dolphins and Wayne Bennett really because that's sort of a Neville Costigan and a Jeremy Smith just one of yeah, those real what's that? a clean up a guy that's just going to do the clean up he, he loves a, just a guy who's just a gritty grinder who can hit Shovel. and be there and just you know he, he's the perfect kind of Wayne Bennett guy when I think of so many of them that he had over his time and um ACL injury unfortunately probably the first time he sidestepped in his life and blew it out scoring that game winner but I think the one upside for him it's what mid-March to late March six to nine months the rehab's really really good now he might miss the pre-season of just pre-Christmas he'll be back running but he'll be ready for trials and uh, hopefully a, you know a, a fresh opportunity and a new start for him up there but he, he was awesome and that was a really big moment but for Parramatta I guess just confidence again. Um, last week, you know, Sharks probably beat him through the middle and they didn't want to embrace that challenge. They were a bit sideways after a 50-50 game week one with the Titans where, again, defensively they weren't great. But while they had some holes exposed here, they were right up for the contest and their forward pack took it to Melbourne and they found a way to win that game. So that's three in a row, I think, against Melbourne for Parramatta. <clears throat> and beating them at Amy Park is never easy. No, Melbourne haven't beat Parramatta since, or it must be 2020 now, I think. So, yeah, I think um, Smith on return with that hand, which isn't fully healed, he was outstanding. Um, But Munster had some moments, but again, defensively, the Melbourne halves definitely need to tighten up. They both got exposed a few times. Josh King has been a really, really good inclusion, thought he was good. And uh, Pappenhausen, I still think, has got some confident stuff and to find his flow, but... He's having those moments again. He's popping her up around the football. He's been there at key times. But, yeah, for Parramatta, I thought Brown was great. Stone, like we said, um, and then the pack. I thought, you know, Campbell Gillard, Paul, all those guys really contributed to a good win. Won the bike. Not a happy day on the wing. No, he's not me, to be fair. No. Once uh, once he dropped the first one, you could just kind of feel they're going to go yeah, there again. Catch a cold. He just, yeah, didn't want to borrow it. No, nah, it really went off the rails, the poor bugger. But, um, Hundred of those a day this week, please. Why not? I understand the reshuffle and why they've done it, but yeah, they need to get uh, some players back. I think they'll be very happy when Sean Russell eventually recovers because he'll be straight back Definitely. on that wing. Definitely. Uh, Canberra Titans, like you said before, this is legitimately one of those ones where it's a game of two halves. The first half, the Titans were 
absolutely incredible. They were all over Canberra. They were pouring through their middle, quick play the balls. And when you pull the middle apart, you get space on the edges. They played short. They played long. There was a beautiful three-man pass. I think it was Brimson, maybe, that hit Sammy and he just walked in. There was the short one for Bo Moore, who's really coming to his own after a few years off the back of that knee injury. And when Tino crashed in, when a middle scores that sort of way, you're thinking, oh, it's going to be a long night. It's going to be a very long night. But they jagged that try just before halftime. And then the second half, as we spoke about, the rules now aren't as such that, you know, six again, six again, you gassed out, you can't get the football back. It was a slow burn from Canberra. They just built themselves into this game, and there was moments in particular. Jack Whiten was outstanding. Kick chase, got a couple of dropouts for him, um, built pressure, chased all his kicks, had a hand in a few of the tries. Tommy Starling's impact off the bench was huge. Tomoko, the power, the tackle breaks. Like Snyder, again, um, showed some really good signs and why they've looked to him over Frawley and Williams at this point moving forward why they're waiting for Fogarty and Corey Horsburgh. I know he's had a couple of rough years with injury and had some real high hopes when he first got in, but uh, kind of went off the boil a little bit on the back of all that stuff. But he had a big impact in this game as well. But the Titans in the second half, just the complete opposite. Couldn't get out of yardage. Poor errors out of yardage. You know, you need to kick early. You need to show composure. And it's probably none more none more summed up the lack of composure than when Sexton throws that four or five-man cutout inside the 20 and turns into an intercept like they were just their own worst enemy yeah yeah I've said it before they just killed themselves I don't want to talk about it again Canberra are uh, give, me, give me cold fucking shivers yeah Canberra go from a really tough win week one against the Sharks to a really disappointing loss last week with you know almost 50% completion to another well the issue they've got to have a look at the way they started that game Canberra oh it's terrible no oh, I know he sort of said oh putting Frawley on yeah, it worked. He said, you know, you got to be snappy in the press conference. So, uh, that was a strange one for me to start for all the, in the middle of the field. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I and think... They got, dominated, they got dominated through the middle of the field. For them, plain and simple. What's I a guess good... it'll work because you won. Mm. Okay, but, you know, I understand where teams are going to come this weekend. What's a good 80 minutes look like, I think, is the biggest question for them. They've been very patchy so far, and they've come up with two good wins and one horrible loss, but it's more... If, if you can win that way, even with the significant flat spots they've had, what does it look like when you play good for 70, 75 minutes, 65 minutes? Like, they've probably played two good halves of football out of three games so far, and they've got two wins. Yeah. So I think there's a lot to work on for them, just in consistency of performance and... <laughs> Effort and yeah, first half they looked really flat. They looked flat in the middle. They were flat defensively. Then second half they just come to life. So um, very very weird to see them. But the Titans, like you said, probably summed up more just by defense. Conceded a lot week one. No problem with their attack. Bit of a shootout last week, and then twenty four points here and not a single point in the second half, and just leaked like a sieve. But um, if they can fix that defensive side of the ball, there's no doubt they can attack. Tino was great Moiaki again thought he was good and uh, Sammy's had a strong start to the season as well I think he might be out this week I think I saw before not sure if it was COVID or an injury but he's been really really good the first few weeks yeah has been that's going to hurt and the last two I've got here Sunday football Cowboys 38-12 over the Broncos and like I said before just 
if you're going to complete 90 plus percent and just put pressure on the other team, they just had energy for days. They really loaded into their defense because they held the ball. Um, I think their attack just really simplified. They punched through the middle, and then as soon as they get any sort of momentum, they play to their edges. They get to those young back rowers. They get to Luki and Nanai, and they're getting Holmes ball at center. Um, you know, you've obviously got a decent forward pack now with some of these young guys helping out, like Tamalolo, to the point of, you know, everyone's like, he has to play Eddie, he has to play It's like, well, he doesn't have to play Eddie if other guys are contributing, and he's been effective in the 55, 60 minutes he's played the last two weeks, especially. So, yeah, it's um, also a different game. Like, yeah, exactly. How many middles play 80 now? Yeah, well, the rules change, like we said before. Yeah. The million dollars that he was more, paid. More ball in play, and the game's played at a higher intensity mm. with less rest, so. If, yeah. If, yeah, if he's effective still for 60, which he certainly is, well, you'll get your money's worth if other guys are doing their job as well. But they're, uh, they're just playing a real simple style of football and playing to their strengths. But again, you complete at 90. Oop. I've lost you there. You're back. You there, sorry? Yeah. We're still recording here for all the listeners. That's the joy of doing... Uh, a podcast via the phone <laughs> but yeah I think um, if you're the Cowboys like I said just the real simple things if you're going to complete at 90 kick well and then they just load their energy and they got a couple of dropouts off the back of those good kicks and the energy they put in getting numbers in dragging them into the end goal they got Cobo they got Stags to drop the ball a couple of times and I think the other thing is that tactic of the kicking instead of kicking for winger contests or putting it into blokes that are a point of strength they've obviously identified that in particular Nanai, Luki and a couple of those guys are good under the high ball they're kicking at that back rail spot and they've had success with it two weeks in a row now so I think there's also yeah, they, 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 I, if I'm Brisbane I'm not shattered about the loss I, they scored three or four tries from kicks I, I didn't think Brisbane bought their best game they they made some errors at critical parts they, they look like they could score points fairly easily as well when they got down there they just didn't get themselves um, into position and couldn't stay in pressure for for long periods. So that's a good lesson for, for the Broncos. Well, I, I thought they were poor. I thought their energy was poor. And I think when you've got a guy like Staggs compared to Herbie, who, again, has been fairly unsung, um, but only has four touches, three errors, and misses four or five tackles, it's just not good enough. Like If you're not getting the ball, go find the ball. Like, Herbie does that. He certainly goes and finds the football. Haas obviously was good again, um, but yeah, I think overall bit of a bit of a reality check after two good weeks, which is another point for that. I know they've had a couple of rough years, but off back-to-back wins, I don't know if they just thought it was going to happen, but it wasn't really a, a great all-round day for the Broncos, that's for sure. No, they, they didn't think it was going to happen. They just ran into a better team, and they didn't play well enough. Simple. Mm. So I think uh, real positive influence Chad's been on Dearden. It's simplified things for him back to doing what he does well, which is run first and had a really good game against his old club, set up a couple of tries, jagged one himself, so um, some positive signs with some of those kids. Um, probably the only downside for them, I think Hess went off after only seven minutes with a potential shoulder injury, so they're going to have to wait and see what comes of that. And uh, for Brisbane, back to the drawing board, two good results and a bit of a reality check, but they've got the Warriors this week, which is definitely winnable, so we'll see what team turns up this week. And, uh, I think they may have a couple of injuries themselves. I think Ricky has a cartilage injury, so he's potentially going to be missing 
um, for a couple of weeks, and there was someone else off the top of my head that I can't think of that I think they said, uh, Brandon Piacura, who hasn't even been selected yet, but uh, I think he's going to be up for an extended period now as well. So not sure he was in line to be in the squad because they hadn't selected him anyway, uh, particularly in their back row, maybe on the bench, but he's going to be unavailable for potentially six weeks. So, uh, yeah, the last one we've got here, Manly versus the Dogs, and... Funny how things work. Manly last year, I think it was three or four bad losses before they had that Warriors game where they won an ugly game with a field goal. They've had two pretty average performances so far. Wet game, ugly game, but win with a field goal. I know it's a couple of weeks earlier than last year, but it's you know, a week earlier than last year. Find themselves back at home. The it field. So the week before Mudgy, and this week is Mudgy. Yeah, this is where the momentum started. The Mudgy massacre, but they come up against Canberra. Um, so a different opponent this time, but we'll, we'll see if it's uh, a bit of a hoodoo or a bit, a bit of a link to last season. But certainly, camera. Mm, certainly not the prettiest game, but they found a way to win. It was an ugly game, but it was so ugly it was actually entertaining. I thought both teams were willing and they tried hard, but man, they played some dumb footy. Like some dumb footy. Manly was shifting the ball from side to side trying to play block plays in the, in the rain. It's like, just drop someone under or play more direct and, and change your style of play. It was so frustrating to watch. Um, and Canterbury were similar. Manly certainly had far more chances than, than the Bulldogs did. But, and yeah, their, their tries were opportunistic as well, the, the doggies. Yeah. Yeah, even the back, the back three for Manly, they couldn't, apart from, with the exception of Tommy Turbo, but the two wingers couldn't catch a cold. Uh, Morgan Harper had, like, I don't know what's happened to him this year. He's horrendously out of form. Uh, it, it, yeah, there's some worrying signs for me. I know they won, but, well, it's it an absolute stinker of a game. Well, I, I tell you what, and I said it last year, he kind of had a run there when they were beaten up on those bottom eight sides and got himself in a real vein of form. But when they played South, Storm, Roosters, any of those top sides, he was badly exposed, and I've said it before, particularly between him and Cherry Evans. Yeah, I'm talking that... about unforced stuff, like he just drops the ball, or you know, he ran, ran in to catch the ball, but it hit him on the knee, and he just like he didn't even try and catch the ball. Hmm. Well, but, if, yeah, it was. I don't know what planet he was on the other night. If the form does continue, the option they do have is Cooler, the young bloke who's come through playing fullback, has yeah. played centre and wing. I don't know. Again, without being there, uh, what he looks like defensively, if he's won in there, what his decision making's like, but I'm sure Des will persist. Um, they don't, like I said, we don't have a lot of depth in the squad. They generally will persist in those sort of areas, but if it doesn't get much better and you've got a kid there that has a hell of a lot of talent, you, you may have to consider it. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I'm with you. It was, it was ugly. It's it's been ugly. He Tom doesn't get much help still from those other two. Like Saab, I know, is big and tall and fast and pretty, and he's a bit of a Ferrari, but his yardage work stinks. Um, he needs to get better at that. Um, and overall, you know, I think their forward pack, still a bit hit and miss. Getting Schuster back will certainly help, but again, like it's a back row. It's not someone who's directly involved in every single play. It brings another focal point in the attack, but um, especially now that things aren't as fast as what they were with that reintroduction of the rule, we saw this historic season last year where everyone melted down and said Tommy Turbo's the greatest player of all time. Well, I would have liked to have seen Jared Hayne, 
Greg Inglis, Billy Slater play under the regime that we had last year. Um, I'm not saying that he's not a good footballer, but the, the rules last year were certainly a lot more conducive to the style of football they wanted to play. And things aren't quite as quick. Things aren't breaking down as much as probably what Manly would like. And it goes back to that point about the, the style they probably need to play against those top sides. It probably has brought a little bit back to reality in general and the way they need to play against all sides now. Yeah, it's true. Um, that Colatau Cooler played 41 minutes last night for Blacktown in the New South Wales Cup. It was a Monday night game. They got spanked by the Bulldogs 30 to zip. Mm. So I'm not sure whether he went off injured, but I would imagine if he only played 41 minutes, there wouldn't be any other reason for him to come off the ground. So yeah. he may be injured. The other centre in that game was George Tafua. Yeah, well, there's one thing George certainly does is tackle well. Mm. He doesn't struggle to make it. There's a weeks there at fullback as well, who's come through the grades. Matt's a ball. He's a very, very good player. Played a bit of 5'8". I'm not sure whether he can play centre, but... Is uh, Tui, Tui Pelotu's name there? Christian Tui Pelotu? Yeah, he's on the wing. They signed him from the Roosters. He had big raps on him, but uh, yet to see him play a game for Manly. I think he was injured last year so again I don't know if his background involves him playing any centre but to your point as well there's been some big results in New South Wales Cup the Dragons have been spanked two weeks in a row now um, big score lines and then the bench the is on the bench for Blacktown yeah well, I, I know a few people are wondering if he'd have a chance of getting a run um, if Croker wasn't going that well and they've obviously got Lawton there but yeah I'd, I'd say after a couple of years off and He'd be 32 by now. It's, it's going to be pretty hard to force his way back in. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know about that one. I, I still don't think I would have let Cade Cusker, but that's just me. Fair enough. But, um, yeah, I think for the Bulldogs, similar story again. They were all effort. Um, they certainly gave all they could give to Manly and, and then some, but just lacking in the spine and he's already made a change after committing supposedly to Jake Avarillo he got the chop um, they went to Wakeham and again Flanagan nowhere to be seen nowhere to be sighted and he's their only real genuine number seven so I just don't understand why they won't go to him it, it's clear something's wrong or they don't like him or they've got a problem because there's no other reason by now if you're going to keep trying to force other guys to play that spot when he's the only genuine seven you have uh, as to why he wouldn't have played by now yeah. They quit on him after only a couple of weeks last year. You're now forcing a guy who is much like... I've said, I said it before, but Avrilo even got in. I love Avrilo, but he's come through playing six, center, and fullback. And I'd happily like to see him play grade in any of those positions, but he's not a halfback. He's been forced to do something that's so far out of his comfort zone in a position he's never even played. And then now you've got to wake him, who I think is a solid first grader, and more of a squad player. But again, he's not your best option at seven. If there's one thing Flanagan can do... Yeah, if there's one thing Flanagan can do, it's exactly what they want for Burton. He can steer the team, he can kick, he can control things and leave Matt to pick his spots. So, it's only taken him two games to can Avarillo. So, I don't know if they'll get to the point where they look at Flanagan again, but it's going to be interesting to see what plays out. It will be, yeah. So, uh, yeah, three close games in a row and only one win for the Bulldogs and uh, Manly get their first blood for the year and head back to Mudgee. So we'll see if there's shades of 2021 if they can have a massacre again. 
But there you go. That wraps up the reviews of the games for the weekend. Let's do our tips and previews brought to you by bluebet.com.au. There is no one better than Bluebet, the true blue bookie. Um, and last week, like we said, Boxhead, unfortunately, we uh, didn't get a win with a charity bet. Mitch Barnett didn't help us out. Not very charitable with that Muay Thai-style elbow. Um, they put in a good fight, but we ended up missing out by four and a half in the end in the points. We got the overs, but... We got dotted, mate. Yeah, well, once, once he was gone, when they scored those couple of late tries, I had genuine hope, but I was like, I can just feel it. And it, it happened, unfortunately. They got us. But uh, great offer again for, from bluebet.com.au for round four of the NRL season. Take a head-to-head bet on Bluebet. And if your team leads by four or more at halftime, Bluebet will pay you out straight away. Lead by four, you win. Absolutely outstanding. So... If there's anyone you like this round, get on board with bluebet.com.au. And if you lead at half time by four points, cash straight into your account. So good stuff there. Let's have a look at these lineups and give our tips for the weekend coming. Um, and the first game we've got, obviously, your Titans up against the Tigers. And there is a change there. Azarko is listed at fullback. So Campbell is out. Brimson has been named at six. And Corey Thompson has come on to the wing. Uh, and that's because of COVID for Philip Semi. And for the Tigers, James Roberts, Ken Marmolo, and Kelma Tuolungi all returned to the side. Garner and Safaf drop to the bench. Stafford Tower and Jake Simpson drop out to the reserves. Musgrove starts a prop with Yutu Kumanu out with his ankle injury. Um, have to go to the Titans in this one. Yeah, have to. But honestly, if... Uh, you're going to have the ups and downs like they had the last few weeks, and then you run into an opponent here. I know they've lost Campbell, but they've got a very handy replacement as Arco. You've got Thompson in his very handy replacement for Sammy. You're back at home, and you've got a team that's, uh, you know, been kicked a lot while they're down. They're missing a lot of players. This has to be a win. Yeah. And, uh, Just on your blue bat promo, I had bloody para head to head. I got 280 or something, or $3. And they were leading. 12-6 with like three minutes to go and I'm thinking I'm going to get paid out of here at half time I'm leading by six and then fucking Melbourne score with two minutes to go in the <laughs> first half dead dead dudded so I just went on my cash so well what about me that was yeah. the original charity bet I wanted power and then when Brandon Smith come back in yeah, I was... shouldn't have jumped off you dickhead hey well I know they won yeah, you but... jumped off a winning bet you never jump off your first um, instinct well, I feel even stupider because there was another one I had typed in and then I took it out from you. I was going to say, have it on Cheese. He's definitely going to score. And then he crashed over. I was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. He was 350. Yeah, well, but you didn't get a winner, mate. I know I didn't get a winner, mate. I'm sure that you did you know. Barney, the bloke I love so much, just popped someone in the face. So, it's gone. I couldn't do that. No, no, no. He should have just had power. That's what he wanted first up. Yeah, but I wanted when we had them over three bucks. They were down to like oh, two forty. Okay. You got greedy, didn't you? You wanted better odds. Yeah, I didn't get greedy. I wanted the you original odds. You got greedy, mate. But you got it, greedy, mate. That's all right. You wanted more. You wanted more bang for your buck. You wanted more fried rice. Mate, it's not going to my pocket. It's going to the charity. I'm just trying to win. I know that. Just trying to do the but right thing. We would have had a little return. Yeah. So you've robbed the charity, mate. Nah, Barnett robbed the charity, mate. Don't make me out. Don't make me out like I'm the criminal. Penistone. Well, Newcastle's flimsy defence at the back end of that game. Costas. Hard after 80 minutes with bloody 12. What's well, not? But. Why, why were they going for a short kickoff? Oh, who knows? 
just ridiculous. Who knows? Maybe. But let's go for the odds because we've, we've stalled a bit here. So with bluebet.com.au, the Titans are a $1.27 favourite. The Tigers are three seventy-five, ten and a half. Here's the line. 1 to 12 Titans, 310, 470 for the Tigers. 13 plus Titans, 210, $10 for the Tigers. Second up, the early Friday game, Sharks, Newcastle, which uh, should be. Jeez, how is that the friggin' early Friday game? It's a good game of football, and uh, it it's back at the prison. So, looking forward to that one. And a couple of changes here also for the Sharks. So, see for Talakai, who was awesome last week in the back row. He goes to the centres with Connor Tracy out with a groin injury. Teague Wilton fills in his spot coming back from suspension in the back row. And Aiden Tolman will play his 300th game this week off the bench. What a battler he's been. He's had a hell of a career. Yeah, old cattle dog. Yeah, he's been around for a while. He bloody worked hard. Because someone, anyone, right, anyone who can actually, anyone who sits down at 6 o'clock, right, and watches the 6 o'clock game live, send us a message. Because I don't reckon I've ever been able to sit down and watch a 6 o'clock game live. On a Friday? No way. Not many times, but I've done it. But you not. Can actually sit there and just on a Friday at 6 o'clock go, you know what I'm going to do now? I'm just going to sit down for the next four hours and watch footy from 6 o'clock. Yeah, not very That's often. The fucking dumbest time slot I've ever seen in my life. Anyway, move on. Well, I hate Thursday. I prefer Monday, so. Well, take that 6 o'clock Friday game and put that on fucking Monday. I'd Seriously. Pre- I'd prefer three on Saturday, three on Sunday, one Friday, one Monday. That's just me. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd be happy with that. And, yeah, but, you know. I'd it, much prefer five days worth of footy. Yeah, I get that. Thursday to Monday. But, but anyway, I digress. Again, a little bit distracted. moving on. The Knights, Caelan Ponga returns, but he has been named the last couple of weeks, so we'll wait and see what happens with his knee injury. Brody Jones is back, and he will slot in for Mitch Barnett in the back row. He's now out for six weeks, and a change on the bench. Soasso Su replaces Matt Croker. Um, it's at the prison. So you've got to go Cronulla with what you've seen. Yeah. Yeah. And again, Ponga, Texoy's done a good job the last couple of weeks, but him being touch and go. Brody Jones, I think it's off an injury uh, in their bench. You know, Momosia was out last week. He's back in this week. Leo Thompson come from Canberra, got himself a debut. You know, good on him, but they're a bit light on there. And I think for Cronulla... Even with some changes and suspensions, like they've got flexibility, like we talked about at the start of the year. You've got Wilton who could play center instead of Talakai if they wanted, but he goes there. Ikevalu goes, Mulatalo comes back in. Trindle's on the bench now because Moylan's been playing well with Hines. Um, and then McInnes is slowly building back in. So I think he played 20 or so minutes the first week. He played 40 or so last week. In a few weeks, I'm assuming he will probably end up starting, possibly. Um, Finucane maybe goes in the middle then you'll have Ueli come off or Rudolph come off the bench they've got lots of minutes and versatility across their squad yeah they do so good uh, good spot and they've showed their versatility early on with a couple of injuries um, but with bluebet.com.au they're $1.40 favourites playing at the prison against the Knights who are two ninety five minus seven and a half is the line one to twelve Sharks two ninety four twenty five for the Knights 13 plus for the Sharks is two forty eight eight ten for the Knights and the second Craig Fitzgibbon Craig what about this bloke looks like a screw coaches the team who plays at the prison following up on a bit of history his father coached the Sharks and now Fitzy comes in for a second stint to carry on the legacy at the prison (laughs) yeah 
that. What about Andrew Fafita? Is he going to crack out the lawnmower this week? <laughs> <laughs> I want to say, bring back the fucking lawnmower. Is it a two-stroke or a four-stroke, and can he get it to kick first go? Who knows? Shit. Does he put the catcher on, or does he have the mulcher on? He says, fuck it. Just let it all lay on the grass and die. Yeah. That's our boy, Andrew. But Panthers Rabbitohs, an absolute corker at Blue Bet Stadium Friday night, the grand final rematch, and Nathan Cleary returning uh, at seven. Eisenhuth starts again in the front row with Lenu. Scott Sorensen named to start in the back row and on the bench for now. Lindsay Smith promoted, Jamin Salmon, Hopgood, Mitch Kenny, but in the extended bench, Martin in jersey 19 uh, and Fisher Harris in jersey 24. You get the feeling they wouldn't have named him for no reason. Um, and if they're going to put Nathan back in this week, honestly, if all those other guys were going to be out, I wouldn't even play Nathan this week. I'd just wait a week. But I'm, I'm going that if they're going to put him in with all these names they've got at the moment, I'm, I'm assuming those two guys are going to play. Um, and on the other side, for the Rabbitohs, on the back of that win, zero changes, as you would expect. Um, and obviously found a, a bit of form and some aggression. Last week, after a tough start, like I said, playing against essentially what were the top four sides around them last year. So, who do you like for this one, Boxhead? And if they lose at home. And until they do, I'll tip them every time they're at home. Yeah, and I'll stick with them for now because, again, I think those guys will be back in and they'll be up for this one and they're always up for a home game. And with bluebet.com.au, a thirty-eight favourite they are. 3.05 for South, minus 7.5 the line. 1 to 12, Panthers 294, 25 for South. 13 plus, Panthers 248, 810 for South. Warriors Broncos kick off Saturday night. Um, and in terms of changes, again, I think there's a couple here for the Warriors. Sean Johnson is named on the extended bench, so he might be back. We don't know. Jack Murchie's in the 17 with Bailey Sirenen ruled out. Alessia Katoa is named, but he's got an eye injury, so he's under a bit of a cloud. And on the Broncos' side, Catewell is outside the 17 um, with a calf problem, so he looks unlikely. Tom Flegler returns from suspension. Jordan Rieke's out with that cartilage injury I was talking about. Ryan James moves to start in prop. Tui Rabadi returns on the bench, and Corey Jensen drops out of the side. So a bit of a reshuffle with James coming into the front row. They've pushed Keenan Palacia to the back row. They've still named Riki, but um, you know it's going to be a bit of an effort for him to try and push through and play. So they might opt to move the Hetherington in because I think he could play the 80 or they're going to have to play Rabadi there and rotate things a little bit. But um, this one's hard. With a few of those injuries, it puts a little bit more pressure on the Broncos. I, I definitely think there's been more positive signs from the Broncos so far than the Warriors. But who do you like in this one? I know the Warriors. Yeah, I think I'm going to do the I same like, thing. I didn't like what I saw from Brisbane on the weekend. Yeah. Just through the middle of the field, I didn't, I didn't like it. So. No. I, uh, I'll go with the Warriors. I'll probably get shot down. Is this the first time they're playing at Redcliffe? Yeah, and that's essentially now their adopted home uh, for the yeah. time being. I like that as well. I also think with James there, God bless him, he's probably really good for those young kids. He's but he's, he's he, his knees look shot. So if he's starting yeah, and you've got Lodge, Fanua Blake, and those guys pour into the middle. Um, I expect plenty of him. And I'll be interested to see Palacia play on an edge defensively. Obviously, it's a different role. He's certainly mobile and got footwork to play on the edge in uh, the attacking side of things. But defensively, I haven't seen him play on an edge yet. So 
Um, the Warriors, God knows what you're going to get, but Brisbane proved the same thing. They got two wins in a row. Then last year, last week, sorry, was the Brisbane of old getting towed up by 38. So a um, bit hesitant on this one. I certainly won't be betting on it, but the odds with bluebet.com.au. Did you tip Brisbane? No, I'm tipping the Warriors. Bluebet.com.au. The Warriors are the outsiders, two twenty-five, a dollar sixty-five for the Broncos, minus two and a half the line. One to twelve Warriors, three sixty. One to twelve Broncos, three fifteen. Thirteen plus Warriors is four sixty-five and three thirty for the Broncos. Now, it's because you hate. It's because you hate Kevo. Nah, I like the Warriors. I want. Where's Tavu back? Just quietly. Do we hate Kev? I don't hate Kev. I don't like all the old boys and what they've done the last few years. I they, did. Um, I, I did hear the Gordon Tallis um, uh, jizz fest over Brisbane, and oh, how good is it? I did um, hear that replay. Yeah, on the, the radio on Sunday. The yeah. jerseys and the Premiership winning oh, coach, and he wore that jersey, and Broncos will be too strong, and you know Cowboys this, that, and the other, and then they got. Pumped by thirty eight. So yeah, I watched the um, I watched that game like later that night, and I just put on the Triple M call instead of listening to the Fox call. Um, yeah, just to something something different. But yeah, I was yeah, I was borderline going to turn it off. Mm. But, um, oh my god, the what? Brisbane old boys cheese fest. It's fucking makes me sick. Yeah, it's a bit hefty. Just yeah. be. Be critical, but be fair, and that's the only thing that bothers me. Because now they're not being critical because he's in the job. Now it's well, yeah, that's right. All yeah. love That's my only point. Like people well, can go, oh, well, where were they all piling on him after the, they conceded thirty-eight on the weekend? Well, they weren't piling on last year, and they were getting belted either. They were blaming everything on Seabold. Yeah. And after he coming and go, he was the problem. That culture was a problem. We'll make the finals, and then during the year it was, ah, oh, look at the squad I've got. So you've changed your tune pretty quickly, haven't you? But I digress. More importantly, Mudgy. The turning point for the Manly Seagulls in 2021. Can it be so? The antibiotics. Can it be the turning point again this year? This time they play the Raiders, 5.30 at Glen Willow, an absolute cracker place uh, in Mudgee. And in terms of changes, they've got the same 17, but Josh Alloyer is uh, back from suspension. He's in the reserves at the moment, so he may be a late inclusion. And for the Raiders... Nick Kotrick is named again on the wing. He's missed the last two weeks, so we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But otherwise, it's the same 17. So who do you like here? Oh, man. I don't know. Here you go. I'll go, I'll go Manly. I'm going, Manly the, and I'm going the Raiders. Going the Raiders? Yeah. Wow. I think 5.30. If it's sunny and dry up there, they'll enjoy it. I think... I, I, I don't think Manly's forward pack's been going well. If there's one thing I do like about Canberra, it's their forward pack. I know against the Cowboys, you know, you complete at mid-50s, it's it's not going to help you and your forward pack. But once they get going... Um, you I, know what? I hope the Raiders lead 30-0 at halftime. Um, I'm going to put the, the, the Manly mockery, that's what we'll call it this year, I'm going to put the mock on Manly. So to all those fans that went there last year and were putting shit on me when I was leaving at halftime, <laughs> <laughs> I hope Canberra are leading 30 nil at halftime and you can leave yeah. as angry and frustrated as I did last year. I'm, I'm not going that far, but I think, uh, yeah. I'm, 
Oh, look, I've got a love-hate relationship with the Manly fans, so... They've been up and down like a fiddler's elbow the first few weeks of Canberra, but they've produced two tough wins. Uh, the Eagles got their first on the weekend, but I still think there's a lot more improvement, so I'll go with Canberra for now. Uh, um, I reckon a dry, dry track Manly might open a can of whoop-ass. But like we saw last year, there'll be plenty of uh, maroon jerseys and there's going to be plenty of four pints around, which I don't drink. Not a fan. Yeah, it's absolute dirt. That's not big on craft beer. Prefer a super dry or a northern or something normal. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the odds for this oh, one... Yeah, it, was, it was a good little trip up there last year. Disappointing. We were supposed to be going up there again, but our game got moved. Well, um, plus COVID now as well is not helping. Yeah, well, we still could have gone. Oh. I'll, I'll, I'll be out by Friday. So. Oh, there you go. I thought you were out Saturday, but there you go. But the odds, Friday, bro. The odds on this one with bluebet.com.au, Manly are the favourites at $1.45. The Raiders, $2.75. Minus 6.5 is the line. 1 to 12, $3 Manly. three eighty five. the Raiders. 13 plus is two sixty five for Manly. Seven forty. The Raiders, uh, North Queensland up against the Roosters, which hey, actually we still might be able to go because our the game might be canned. What game? Because of the wet, because of the wet weather. Well, where are we playing? Our, Ron Massey and our cup game might be canned. Well, the rain's we supposed. Know, like it's early, early, It's supposed to be um, Aubrey Keach, but look at what happened. Like, like the weekend just gone. Well, it's not going. It's not going to be flooded on the weekend. The West is no, but they're just. Wet weather in general. Like if the fields are bogged, they'll they'll call it off. Well, I'll, I'll just throw it out there right now. Then New South Wales rugby league, make a fucking call. Swap the field early or can it? Yeah, well, yeah. We've got a funeral. We're going to go to at eleven o'clock on Saturday, but there's no reason we couldn't jump in the car after that. And um, we'd make it on time. Just no, we'd make it easily. But make yeah, it easy. it'd, it'd be a nice nice way to spend the birthday weekend because I thought that's where we we're going to be heading. Yeah, that's right. And after COVID... Your birthday. Your birthday's Monday, isn't it? Yeah, but COVID fucked my 30th. And then last year we were locked up again. So I've had two things being denied. Going to Mudgee, yeah. seeing our grandparents and having a beer and watching some footy. That, that sounds like a good time. Yeah, it'd be good. It'd it, be good. To make up for the last two years being fucked by the vid. Yeah. So, so we'll just see what plays out. You never know that. Yeah. Well, New South Wales Rugby League, make a call. Sort Something it. for the punters. Pick another field or can the game. Plain and simple. Yeah, the ah. field where um, we're playing ride, the field where ride play that that looked horrendous as well. They played there on Sunday. That's chopped up, and yeah. but that's everywhere in city at the moment. Like I, I mean, they're just gonna they're gonna make a call on whether they're just gonna push through. Like no teams are really able to train because all the council grounds are shut, or they're chopped up, or they're wet, or you know, there's just it's a strange, strange time. I've never sort of seen a period like this of just consistent rain and yeah it's, we've got boys that haven't played a game of footy in six weeks that are you know pretty close to playing New South Wales Cup but they, they keep, because of all the A grade and uh, you know Ron Matthews only obviously two rounds in we've had one of those rounds cancelled so they've just had no footy no. so you're facing similar issues to what they've faced with COVID but now in Sydney it's because of weather yeah, like I said, they just need to make a call. I think the weather's supposed to sort of halt in terms of the heavy stuff, hopefully, in the next week or two. So if they were to rest things for this weekend and then push everything back a week or, you know, drop around, no, I, I don't as know. As we speak, I've just got a notification from the weather app saying that there's a um, flood warning for the Hawkesbury River. So 
Yeah, or further down, they're still releasing water, so that's yeah. irrelevant to the rain. That that's going to keep happening. But yeah. I don't know. But moving on, Cowboys, Roosters. The Cowboys have named the same seventeen. Hess is listed despite that shoulder injury, so we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But uh, a good couple of weeks for them, looking to uh, back it up at home here, which, like I said a couple of weeks ago, needs to become a fortress for them. For the Roosters, only one change with Daniel Saluka Fafita coming onto the bench in place of Fletcher Baker. And as we said before, Trent Robinson will miss the trip after testing positive to COVID. So um, I'm sure they'll have plenty of things in place. They've got Riles and some good assistants that will certainly handle things. But who do you like on this one? Roosters. I'm going to go the upset again. I took the Cowboys last week. I'll go the Cowboys at home. You're an idiot. Not with a lot of confidence, but, you know, two weeks in a row, completed high, defended well. Uh, if the, I'm more looking at the Roosters going, if they do what they've done for, you know, two full games and then the second half of Manly where they just can't hold the football and self-inflict, they might make it a bit of a contest. But, yeah, it's never an easy trip going to North Queensland, so definitely an outsider, but, yeah. Tipping upsets. I tip, tried to tip plenty last week. I got a couple and a couple backfired. But the odds for this one with BlueBet.com, the Cowboys are the outsiders at two seventy-five. The Roosters are dollar forty-five. Six and a half is the line. One to twelve Cowboys, three dollars three eighty-five for the Roosters. Thirteen plus Cowboys, two sixty-four seven forty for the Roosters. And Sunday wraps up with a storm against the Bulldogs first. Back down in Melbourne, and there's some players returning. They've got. Xavier Coates named back on the wing, but we'll have to wait and see. They've got Nick Meany waiting just in case. Harry Grant returns from COVID. Brandon Smith goes back to the 14 role, so Josh King remains at the starting lock position. And for the Bulldogs, they've lost Jack Hetherington for the season with his shoulder. Corey Waddell will go into his back row spot. Luke Thompson's named a prop. Arva Siamani Funai returns on the interchange, and Max King has been named. He went off early last week, so we have to keep our eyes on him. Melbourne in Melbourne off the back of a loss and Harry Grant returning. Uh, I think this may be the first game for the Bulldogs that isn't close. Yeah, I agree. I think Melbourne will uh, want to make a bit of a statement at home here. And again, if Coates is in, if uh, you've got Harry and Cheese back, and on top of that, I've really been impressed with the kid McDonald. I think he's really good. <laughs> he made some cover tackles and some efforts there, some small stuff that if you did video on that game as a coach where you'd be like, fucking hell, this bloke's in his third game of NRL. He just does so much shit work. It's great. Um, and I think Liero's been pretty good as well, playing off the bench as the middle. He's probably going to be a back row next year when the two back rows are gone, but he's been solid. So, um, yeah, well, looking at the, the 24 for the Bulldogs, actually, we were talking about the Wakeham thing before on the halves. Has he even got Flanagan included in the squad? No, Flanagan's been... Flanagan... Flanagan's in Jersey 22, Avarillo's in Jersey 20. So he's yeah. he's in the 24, but yeah, chances of him playing, I'd assume, are quite low. But the odds with bluebet.com.au, Melbourne $1.17, the Bulldogs $5, 14.5 is the line, 1 to 12 Storm, three thirty five fifty the Dogs, 13 plus Storm, $1.76, $17 for the Bulldogs. And to wrap things up, Parramatta versus the Dragons, uh, at Combank Stadium, as it's now known, in terms of changes for Parramatta, Ray Stone, obviously we know after his heroic effort last week, 
He's out. He's done his ACL. He's done for the season, unfortunately. But Ryan Madison returns from injury. He's on the bench, along with Bryce Cartwright, who replaces Wiramu Greg and Ray Stone, as we just mentioned. Uh, and then on the flip side for the Dragons, a couple of changes. Well, there you go. Matt Fagai is named on the wing. Cody Ramsey's apparently injured, but I think in general they needed to get that bigger body. And Jack Mazuski starts in the back row for the suspended Jaden Sewer with Aaron Woods returning from his hamstring injury on the bench. Um, I think, again, after a couple of good weeks, this is a good opportunity, especially if uh, the weather's not too bad for the Eels to uh, make a bit of a statement here. Agree. They got jumped in this game last year, though. Yeah, they sure did. The Dragons came out and smashed them. So they want to have their antennas up for that. Uh, but, yeah, tipping the Eels, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think... Good confidence booster after last week, hopefully again. Yeah, and a nice eight-day turnaround as well. Mm. And I think when you've got changes, again, like Sewer out, Gazuski starting, does he go the 80? I think Sims is adjusting to play in that middle role. Jackson Ford, Kerr, a couple of guys off the bench, Woods. I, I think, yeah, if they can play the way they did with their middle last week, I think they can really get at the Dragons' middles. They're a lot more mobile, they're powerful. Um, and young Amone, as much as I love him so far... Uh, he sort of struggled the first few rounds. I don't know quite what it is, but he just can't seem to get himself into the games. Ben Hunt has actually been really, really good the first few weeks, but, yeah, Amone probably not um, as involved as I'd like him to be. So hopefully he can find a bit more of the football and build his confidence off the back of his running game this week. But the odds for this one with bluebet.com.au, the Parramatta Eels are a $1.30 favourite. 335 of the Dragons, minus 8.5 is the line. 1-12... to 12. Eels, 305, 430, the Dragons. 13 plus Eels, 221, $10, the Dragons. So looking at this, we've got Roosters, Cowboys, we tip different. Eagles, Raiders, different. So we've got two different. And last week, you tipped five, I tipped four. We're both on 14. Sounds about right. You're back on for the charity bet this week. Is there anything yep. out of any of those games that you liked? What price of the Warriors? The Warriors, I think, were two twenty-five. Where are they? The Warriors are two twenty-five. Yeah. yeah. So out out of the outsiders, I don't like the Tigers. I don't like the Knights. I don't like Souths. Warriors at two twenty-five. You know, I'm not surprised because Brisbane obviously copped it last week. Raiders are two seventy-five against Manly. Cowboys. Warriors, Warriors one to twelve. The Warriors one to twelve is three sixty. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, Bulldogs no, Dragons no as an outsider. Yeah. yeah. So. We're yeah. gonna go Warriors um, plus the start into the over. Get some decent odds for that. You get two and a half, but if you did total line total, you probably get more points. Yeah, probably. Or, yeah, there's probably a couple other games you might get a better uh, line total. Like Par- my Parramatta, eight and a half. You might get something better there. I don't know. We'll have a look at the line total doubles when they come out in a few days, thanks to Bluebet. Yeah, they're not up at the moment, are they? Uh, usually early doors, there's not as many markets. Yeah, so look. markets. I'm having a look now on bluebet.com.au. Yeah, I can't see line total doubles. No. So that'll be later in the week, but for now... That wraps up our tips and our preview of the round ahead. Thanks to bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet, bet with a true blue bookie. Download the app today or visit bluebet.com.au. 
help out uh, or have a punt with a bookie that's willing to dish a little bit of cash to charity if we could bet better. So fingers crossed we find a winner this week. Wow, 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 You could bet better. Come on, mate. Come on, mate. Come on, mate. You've only won one. Come on. Get another one. one. You, pal. Get one this week. But uh, yeah, big thanks to bluebet.com.au. Thank you to the Penrose Solar Center. There's no one better. www.penrosesolar.com.au or give them a call, 1800 2029 30. And uh, no games we could call last week for hijack. TV because of the COVID situation we're currently in. This weekend again comes down to games, the funeral, and everything else we've got on. Um, hopefully, we'll get a few in. what's that? We'll get a few in. Yeah, hopefully we can get some games in this weekend, and then we'll get a few double ups coming in uh, the weeks to come. And remember, get on board with that app. Download it today. It's in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. Hijack TV or find them on the socials hijack.tv hijack spelled h-y-j-a-c-k you can follow us on the app you can find fifth and last make sure you do so follow and when we announce a game we'll get it up on our discussion page the podcast page twitter all the platforms hopefully with plenty of notice kick back simple as on your phone just join and you can listen to me and box talk you through a game and uh, you know as we do when we sit there and watch a game together and having a beer Correct. A bit more of a laid-back approach to uh, watching rugby league. Yep. There you go. That wraps us up for another week. Boxhead, hopefully you feel better soon and uh, look forward to catching up once you're out of lockdown. Yeah. I think Thursday, either Thursday night or Friday morning, I think it is, I don't know. I'll have to have a look. Yeah, they generally when you register your result, they tell you on your certificate thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what, yeah. I don't know whether it's... Is it six days you're in or is it seven days you're in? Uh, I, I think you're out of day eight. In, oh, I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. I just wonder what my certificate told me. It told me this date to this date and then the day after, if you didn't have symptoms or you tested negative, which both I didn't, uh, then you're all good. Yeah. So, there you go. Play on. To everybody out there, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.